What's up, Beloeros? I'm here to talk to you about Zelle. Now, Zelle is a great way to send money to family and friends, no matter where they bank in the U.S. I like to send money during the holidays to my sister because, you know, her and I usually, you know, we share the expenses for our parents' gifts. You know, we like to get them something big. My father wants a new chair, right? So it's better if, like me, my sister, maybe some of my other brothers get in there and we all zell each other. We zell the sibling who's going to just actually buy the thing, right? You know what I mean? It's usually not me. But it's, you know, it's a great way for family to get together during the holidays and go halvesies on something, all right? You know, so if you want to go Dutch with your family members on some, uh, or even friends on someone's gift, I would use Zelle, all right? So if you don't know about Zelle, money sent goes straight into the recipient's bank account, typically in minutes between enrolled users. You don't have to download another app because it's probably already in your banking app. And it's in over a thousand different banking apps. So this holiday season, even after the holiday season, because I know y'all going to like have late gifts and stuff like that. Look for Zelle in your banking app today and tell them LOL Latinos Allow sent you. No, that was Thundercats. Oh, oh. That was Thundercats. Thunder, 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 Thundercats. Oh, Latinos out loud, guys. It's time. We're here. The mics are on. The mics are on. The Ooh. headphones are plugged in. Some of them are plugged in. Some of them are Bluetooth in, right? But we're here. We're mm-hmm. connected. We're in the Matrix. We're Ooh, in the podcast. Matrix. New Matrix, Frank. It's coming out. For Christmas. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. We gotta get your review. Yeah, we gotta get a Frank, Frank review. See what uh See how it see how it holds up and to the to the original. Can I can I ask a question of Frank on this show? He doesn't know I'm gonna ask him this, but Oh my look, I, I'm not interested in buying real estate in the metaverse. Would you stop texting me every day and telling me to buy real estate in the metaverse? <laughs> Rachel, do this in the metaverse. Get the haptic glove for the metaverse. I don't even know that's where Frank's, we are. You're confusing that's Frank's me. Bitcoin. He's just like, yo, you gotta like you gotta buy you know, apartments in the metaverse. Because the real estate boom is going to go crazy. I want to get the Eloeros and the Eloeras up to par in this new uh, metaverse uh, universe that we're heading to. I don't want to leave us behind, I thought guys. the metaverse was just like in, in the Marvel keep... universe, but it's in our universe, too? Well, it's kind of. And, you know, mentally, it's going to be this holographic world that we're going to be living in. And we have to get up to par quickly. Latinos have to move forward. We need oh to God. start buying up real estate in this metaverse. But guys, remember these three words, these three letters, NFTs. Okay. Our NFTs are going to be our avatars and it's going to be our, basically our property in this world. So I want to get all the Eloeros up to par right now when it comes to the NFTs, because that's what Wait, we're going you, to You got to have a J-O-B if you want an NFT. You know what I mean? <laughs> they ain't cheap. No, the new one, you got to have an NFT if you want to be if with you me. Everybody, yeah, wow. Everybody having the F- NFTs. I still like, it's like, I see some shitty ass NFTs. Like, that's the thing with NFTs. It's getting, the art is getting better. 
But we're still at a stage with it where the art still looks shitty and people are like, yo, did you see this crazy <laughs> ape fucking thing? And I'm like, that shit looks like <laughs> like Hanna-Barbera, like first draft of a fucking, uh, you know, of a cartoon. But it's like, you know, it, it, it's in, in any stage, it's still early and it has to like grow into right. its shit. But um, I don't know. I got, you know. Uh, we're moving towards that. We're moving. We're moving towards that, guys. It's going to get to a point where, listen, we're not going to be on Zoom. We're going to be in Metaverse. We're going to be meeting in the studio in Metaverse. That's fine. I'm going to be able to shake you guys' hand. Give you guys a hug, like back in the days in the studio, then you're going to feel the hug and you're going to feel the handshake. It's going to be incredible. That's really, really sweet. Can we make our real estate look like a comedy club of some sort? Like, could yes. our storefront be like the Latinos Out Loud store? And then, like, you walk yes. in, it's just like nothing but comedy everywhere and conspiracy yes. theories on the walls. Yes. Okay. With the Bochinche Bites wall, with our merch and the whole nine. See, yes. this is getting me excited. Like, the interior decor of our metaverse storefront is getting really me. It's That's getting me excited. The Metaverse storefront. So yes. then you call me when we got to pick out color palettes for the Metaverse carpets. Then I will be out there, you know, with like samples. Uh, we'll talk about pile. We'll talk about color. Right. You know what I'm saying? We'll get really get into right. the carpet. Find out talk. how we can get our logo, our little cartoon logo that we have. How can we sell that as an NFT? Like, we, there's I'm that's better it, art than like Ooh. more than half of the shit that I see is fucking. You know, oh, yo, you seen this fucking, uh, you know, chicken with a bulletproof vest? It went for fucking $10,000 in the Ethereum and fucking Bitcoin. I'm like, I don't know what language you're speaking, bro. What? I don't know what language. I don't understand. Whoa. Interesting point, guys. You mentioned Bitcoin. You could only buy NFTs or any property in the metaverse only by Bitcoin. Oh. There's no cash. There's no credit. Only Bitcoin, guys. So we need to move up in what's going on. The shift is happening as we speak. We need to move with Bitcoin this and Metaverse and all these other talk. things, guys. This is this is what he gets. This is how he gets his dates, real. And he's like, "Yo, but you heard about the NFTs and the Bitcoin and you know the Metaverse?" And she's like, "And you yeah, know, are we uh, are we going Dutch or what? I don't know." Are, are you paying no are you, yeah Bitcoin? but it's either one side of the spectrum it's either one side of the spectrum or the other it's either like okay so yeah can you cover my taxi with your bitcoins right. or it's like tell me more bitcoin cyber daddy you know because i think there's a lot of women into this too right frank i'm just assuming of course always you know women love things that are moving forward you know and uh this bitcoin and metaverse thing you know introduces and you to a whole different and species of women yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. you're always gonna get a woman be like, big okay, ladies all i'm telling is you ladies on the first date you may just want to ask the first question and it'd be something like this tell me what kind of nfts you own you know like you Ooh. may want to just start off with that and then get into like okay what are your hobbies uh, dick size, whatever it is that's Instead important to you. Instead of asking what NFTs you got, just ask them just to get so you know, just get over with. How douchey are you? Because if they are they're douchey enough, mm. they're probably gonna be talking about NFTs the whole night. Uh, not Frank, except Frank. There you go. Because <laughs> Frank actually <laughs> believes in the power of it. But then there's some people that don't even know the facts, but they just like to throw out the the names. So Frank actually does right, research on it. But there's a lot of Wall Street dudes who are like NFTs. Yeah, bro, I already have twelve of them. I already have 12 ducks uh, wearing uh, army helmets. I, I sold them for like, uh, you know, $20,000 each. So. <laughs> 20,000 crypto, crypto in the bank. That's the word, crypto, Boom. right. That's the buzzword we haven't been using. Crypto. There you go, yeah. crypto mining. 
Ooh, crypto, crypto, interesting. Crypto night, what did that do to Superman? What cryptocurrency is gonna do to our culture? Oof. Oh my gosh. On the next. Latinos out loud. Under, (laughs) you know, uh, Dateline. Dateline, Latinos out loud. A lot of subject matter here, but you know, I would give all the cryptocurrency in the world to see our guest perform live, uh, which she is doing while here in New York. I peeped that on her Instagram last night. I love that when a comedy, you know, when somebody comes to town, whether it's stand up sketch and they just jump into the comedy club scene as if they never left. That's beautiful to see. How excited are you guys to talk to our friend X Mayo? X Mayo since the first time she was wow. here uh, in our, the old studios in the eHarmonic when we used to do the show there. Um, she's done so much more sl- stuff. She got a team now. We're getting the people on the interview stuff, and it's like, so yeah, their team is gonna get back to you. And it's like, she got a team now. That's what. That's the goal, right? That's the goal. She's doing it big. She got a network show. Well, first of all, she wrote for Daily Show. Now she got a network show. She got a movie. She's doing it big. So great. It's really loving to hear these hometown hero stories. Although she's not an original from New York, she came with her $80 in a suitcase to New York, did her thing here uh, from the bootstraps and just created a bunch of things that put her on this path and not overnight. You know, a lot of people like to make it seem like, oh, yeah, X male overnight success. Not so much. Mm -mm. Not so much. We've watched this woman do amazing things for BIPOC here in New York City. We're so proud of her. And here's an interview with the one and only Sochi, also known as X male. This is the part of the show here on Latinos Out Loud where we interview some one er amazing, like amazing friends of the room, two-timer. We got her a toaster. It'll be in the mail. We're going to send you an embroidered jacket for being a two-timer on the Latinos Out Loud podcast. Please put your hands together for X Mayo, people! Everything. It's video. Okay, because I just waved my titties. But if you're listening, just imagine the sound of a titty wave. And I just went like that. <laughs> there you go. It was a beautiful sound effects. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful, beautiful <laughs> titty wave. Oh my God. Okay, if we could start back then and catch up, you have been busy. We are proud of you. Oh my Thank God. You. Thank you. $80 in a suitcase, X Mayo killing the game right now okay guys we just gotta start um now you you are about to come out on a show on nbc we're so proud please tell us network television tell us about american auto yes okay so american auto is um a a sitcom a comedy workplace comedy created by justin spitzer who's the creator of superstore and then he came from the office so he only makes hits so i'm very excited Mm. and that's what made me nervous to do this because i was like the expectations are high because they're like this motherfucker knows what he's doing (laughs) and in my head i'm just like this he might have been a little high when he casted me because i'm crazy (laughs) so but American Auto is about um, a group of us that work for this car company called Pain Motors, and we get a new boss played by Anna Gasteyer, who is SNL royalty, comedy yes. legend, and queen. 
Wow. And um, she doesn't know what the fuck she's doing. Um, <laughs> and she's running the company and I am her assistant, Dory. And I'm very fun. Mm. very very fun yeah so it's uh it, it takes place uh, in detroit um and we have michael benjamin washington ty white um humphrey kerr and then we have john Barinholtz and also the amazing harriet dyer she comes from australia and she is a fucking riot so it's really an all-star cast and i'm very grateful that they have some names there but a lot of us we've been doing as jonathan majors calls the invisible work for a very long time like i have yeah. been since i was fucking 12 years old and been on the stage mm. since i was eight so a lot of us come in like maybe you're new to knowing who michael benjamin washington is or maybe humphrey or myself but we've been at this for a long time so i'm very grateful that it's not just a jam-packed star cast because sometimes you just really expect it to be like so good just because they're stars. But I feel like people will be giving this more of a shot. Like, oh, who is this? You know, mm-hmm. to to see it. But it was amazing to shoot it, create it in a goddamn panty liner that we're in. Shit. Uh, and it, was, <laughs> it was it was very good. It was very good. So this is an ensemble, an ensemble comedy, right? And chemistry mm-hmm. is important when the best comedies have the ensembles are epic, the office, and you think of mm-hmm. Parks and Rec, and you just think of them as a unit, as opposed to like one person that stands out. You know what I mean? So yeah. was the chemistry instant with with your group, or was it something that you worked on and just got gradually just keep getting better and oh, better? Oh yeah, it was instant, but then it got tighter, yeah. and uh, the trust was built more, but yeah, it was instant because John Barinholtz is an improviser. Humphrey uh, has done some improv, but just stand up in comedy. And so there are people like Michael Benjamin Washington, who has primarily done drama, but I feel like people like him are so important because he is a phenomenal actor and you need that base reality for that comedy to jump off of. So he helps to guide the fun and he does what I love, which is he doesn't fire the fun. So when we're acting a damn fool, he has like a very unique way to kind of like guide it and wrangle us like little fucking children. But he doesn't <laughs> be like, everybody stop. This is fucking dumb. He, he knows how to like lean into it so that we can still do our jokes, but he keeps like us grounded. So you need that. Right. And so we kind of found out a little bit, like what of our sticks, what do we like to do? And we were doing, we were playing all fucking day. Even when the cameras were not rolling, they were like, Hey guys, can you quiet down? We're like, we're like, little <laughs> so yeah, so it was great. And you'll, and you'll see that reflected on screen. I, you know, I want to go back to what you were saying before a little X in that we know a lot about your past. I've had the pleasure of being on the same stage as you during an improv joint here in New York City. You are the creator of a show called Who Made the Potato Salad? Okay, this is a show, you guys, where X, X, X brought together BIPOC here in New York City who deserved a platform. She created a bridge between schools of comedy, which I love because she brought together people from the pit, from UCB, from Magnet. And I thought that was such a beautiful thing. From the thing. projects. Any fucking body that I thought was funny. 
And any fucking body who I think is funny, I want to bring them. I don't think that, because the thing is, you know, um, no disrespect, but I feel like white people need rules to be funny. I feel like Latinos, I feel like black people, Southeast Asian people, mostly black people and people of color, we don't really need rules. And our shit is so natural. I feel like some of the funniest people I know are in people's families. They don't even fucking do comedy and their mm. instinct. Mm-hmm. They don't even know. They already know the rules of three and they don't, they just fucking do it in the barbershop or like, I will literally be improvising and playing in a conversation and they'll harp onto it. Not even, they don't even fucking know what they're doing. Um, so yeah, but as uh, Rachel say, yeah, I, I, if you're funny, you can do the show. I think that's so great. But I want to tap into that experience a little bit and what you're doing now. You know, when you're strategizing a trajectory for your career, sometimes you see the vision. Sometimes you see where the light is and you know which tunnel you take in Lincoln, Brooklyn Battery, now called the Hugh L. Carey. Still calling it the Battery Tunnel. Sorry, I'm from Brooklyn. But here we go. Like you sometimes see the end of that tunnel and you can plan for it. Did you see that light? Did you know what tunnel you was headed towards having all this? Oh, yeah, always. Tell tell us about that, because I know that's going to inspire your entertainers listening right now yeah i mean ever since i was 19 when tyler perry started making raves because i was born and raised in church and my mom and all my aunts they that type of comedy was very um uh, familiar to them and just growing up in church like all the women, all the elders, everybody watched that shit. So for me, it was like, oh, at 19, I was like, oh, this is the blueprint. Because at that time, I'd been auditioning since I was 12. So that was seven years of no's. And the yes that I was getting was through church and through church plays. So once Tyler Perry came out, I was like, oh, this is the recipe. You have to make your own shit, make your own network. And up until this point, and as moving forward, that's all my focus is. So anything that I get from the industry is truly... A shocker to me. It's a surprise because they've never believed in me. I've always believed in me and I will continue to believe in me. So I bet on myself. So anything I get is great. That's phenomenal. But I'm focused on my studio, my network. I'm focused on Potato Salad, the tour, the docuseries, the podcast, mm-hmm. you know, like it's just the festival. So I'm just like, I'm focused on my shit. And I'm very grateful for all these opportunities for people that have um, seen my light and felt that it was worthy to be in their projects. I did not take it lightly that I'm on a primetime network show created by somebody of talent, stature and eliteness as Justin Spitzer and Aaron Kaplan, you know, like they all believe in me and they all let me play and be free. And even with yearly departed, that's coming out on December 23rd, like the fact that Rachel Brosnahan and Karen, Chi, who was a writer on there, believed in me to do this thing. Like it's still shocking to me because when you hear no, I mean, I fucking booked American auto at 32. So that's 20 years of no's. Mm. So you don't fucking when they when they said that I was going through to the network test, I was like, OK, like you don't get excited. Like what? How many times have you been pinned for a chemistry test or they bought the fucking ticket for me to go to London? And then all of a sudden it's like, no, we got a name. So bye. Mm. So those type of rejections really don't hold weight for me because I do my own shit. And also, I don't need to be in control of other projects that I do because I have my own. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's really purposeful that even when you're working on a group, you work with a team, you work with friends, always just have your own shit. That's always, and that's still the goal. I feel like the biggest role I'm going to do is the one I write for myself. Yes. Amazing words. Speaking speaking of that, as as a writer, right? And and we were Mm -hmm. talking, we had on um, 
uh, Gracie Mercedes, who she's on a new show coming up, uh, Grand Crew. Grand Crew, yeah, yeah. created and, by my baby Phil. I, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and um, we were talking about that and how she was in a writer's room previously, mm-hmm. and you as a writer, do, is it do, is it easy to turn off your your the writer part of your brain when you're kind of acting? You know what I mean, or is um, no, is that when your, will, your instinct to improv comes out? Yeah, I will say the thing is, I, I don't. I feel like a lot of people discount. Not saying that's what you did, but just saying this, just like it's on record. A lot of people discount improvisers, but that's truly riding on your feet mm-hmm. as a skill. Okay, everybody cannot do that. And I think I'm very grateful for my experience at The Daily Show for three years. Um, And then having done improv in conjunction with that, I've been doing improv since 2016. And then we did a pause in 2019 um, because I was so busy with The Daily Show. But because I was getting so many reps and I've done it so much, having that those improv reps mixed with The Daily Show, it really makes me unstoppable when I hit set Mm -hmm. because I can come up with fully fleshed out jokes very quickly. And I, because I had to write for Trevor for so long, I'm able to write a joke that is through maybe my unique, that is my unique perspective, but through your voice. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So I was pitching on every character. I'm like, Hey, it could be funny to do this. And I love physical comedy. I'm like, Oh, maybe you should take the fucking water and then you open it and the fucking bus everywhere. And it's not, or like (laughs) if there was a prop, I was using it. Like I, I use every fucking thing, anything can be used. You're like the Jackie Chan of comedy, right? You're looking at every prop. Like the Latina carrot top, you know, is what I'm envisioning. (laughs) Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Trunk full of goodies. Everything is like cultural. <laughs> Truly, I loved everything. Like, there's, I'm not gonna give any spoilers, but definitely watch because they kept giving me food, and I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. All these stacks of skills that you've developed that you have like a superpower mm-hmm. when you're on set. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think also my superpower too is that I love to learn, yeah. and that um, I think good leaders know how to follow, mm-hmm. and so I feel like so humble because I'm not the smartest on the team. I'm not the funniest person in our cast. So I really love that. And I appreciate that. And I ask questions and I'm like, Hey, what do you think about this joke? Or if I don't get a laugh, I'm like, Hey, can you help me punch this up? Like, you know, like I, I think that's the best place to be in. And I feel like that's something that will never go away. Like I will always, always be a student. Speaking of you being a student, Something that I want to call out and shout you out on as well is while I was a student at the Upright Citizens Brigade here in New York, everybody knew who X was. You know why? Because X was bringing the BIPOC together at what was a white male dominated school of comedy here in New York City. And X was a curator, you know, and X brought people together, not not because she wanted to. I'm sure you had a lot of other things to do, but we needed each other. You know, going through that school, we needed each other to be there for each other's shows. And Mm -hmm. because we got each other's comedy, where if you're in sketch writing 301, 201, 101, whatever it is, most of the people in the room probably didn't get your Latino jokes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. (laughs) Or like it would just be like the thing is, too, like I had wrote this fucking um, this uh, Cholo Food Network sketch where this fucking Cholo, he fucking had a beanie down here. We couldn't see anything he was making. So he was just making whatever. And he eventually like cuts off his fucking hand. So the sketch wasn't as strong. Right. It could have definitely needed some work. But when you have a white teacher, there's so much 
that I have to explain about Cholo culture and why are his hands like this? Why are his feet like this? Why does he have to wear Cortez's? Why is that funny that the fact that the Cortez is fucking leaning? Why is it funny <laughs> that his voice is like, like I have to explain all of this shit for you to get it. And then when you have people of like-minded experience or they can be Asian or they can be somebody, it's just, they know about other shit, you know? So it's just like, yeah, it was very annoying. So what Rachel was talking about is that I created POC workshops because I saw the fact that there was not a lot of black people or people of color on stage performing. But then I looked at the teachers, mostly white. And so the students, we were mostly white. So you have to complete the entire program up until 401 to be eligible to audition. But if I'm discouraged at 101, I'm not finishing. So I said, what if we fucking knew that we had support and people there and they only give out 35 scholarships for five different categories twice a year. Wow. So you got to be really in that fucking, I was in their goddamn face every day when oh, I became yeah. an intern. I was there. I got an, I got a scholarship. Every, like, I don't know every fucking body. I'm like, no, yeah. give me my shit. I need, I need my fucking class right now. And so when, when I saw that, I was like, okay, we knew we had support. So every time I went to the pit, um, every time I went to annoyance, um, and UCB, every time I saw a black person or a person of color, I was like, what's your name? What's your email? Yeah. And, mm. and over time, the group and I accumulated a list of over 300 people. And I would wow. ask people at UCB to donate their time. And then I transferred into, um, uh, workshops with casting directors from ABC. Anybody I met, I'm like fucking Robin Hood. I'm going to bring your ass here. I'm going to steal from the rich and give to the poor. So I would meet an agent from CAA, Erica Lancaster. She's like the one of the few black um, agents there. I had her have a meeting with us. Like, so I was trying to just give resources to my community. And at that time, I mean, all I was doing was who made the potato salad. I wasn't doing like top tier work that the industry would consider as, as I'm doing now. But I was just, I'm very passionate about community and I don't know how to wait. So my lack of patience seriously works well for me in my career. I thought that was very awesome. impressive. And I want to say that that was also part of the inspiration for me continuing to apply for that diversity scholarship because I received many oh, no's until finally I just got hit with three yeses. Boom, 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 back to back to back. Mm -hmm. And then I got it and I got all my classes taken care of. So I think these are words that need to be said loudly that you could create your own shit even when you're in these schools, academy, you don't feel represented. Just find everybody and and bring them together now i want this to lead to a question this is so perfect this segue so this is how it was at ucb new york city comparatively speaking talk to me about latina and latino culture in set life out there for primetime network are we represented do we still have a lot of work to do where are we at mm. we have a lot of work to do we have a lot of work to do. And from my perspective, because I'm I'm black and Mexican, I don't look like Sofia Vergara. No disrespect. She's beautiful. But most of what I see um, represented still with us is that person. Um, and especially being from Cali, where there's so many blacks and Mexican. I mean, Kendrick Lamar's wife is Mexican. Like everybody is so it's just like to see that be represented or even like Matthew Pancho, like he's dark, you know, like we don't even see really indigenous or like dark skinned Dominicans or even like mm. Dominicans with different textured hair or like, 
Her Rachel and I, we have bigger noses. Something, featureism, something that is like equated with what we really see. It's like, I, I, I think what they're, what is happening now with the industry, they're still latching on to whatever Latino has a proximity to whiteness. Mm. You know what I mean? So that's why it's so exciting to be able to do on the show and be on this platform and to represent like two very um, huge, monumental and very influential cultures of being black and Mexican on screen. I think it's very important. You're going to see with my hair, too, how that is like I really Dory has really come to really like fuck up the beauty standard in a lot of ways especially in corporate America. Oh, I love wow. that. I can't wait. Mayo, May, growing up for you, uh, being Mexican and, and Afro-American, how, how was that experience for you? It was amazing because all my tias have Black fathers for their children or husbands. And same with my tios. Like if they, that's who they dated, that's who I was around. And then it was very normal for me because that's just, Cali, you know, it's like it's hella Mexicans and then Filipino Filipinos and blacks like that's just what it is. It will be kind of like me asking you, like, what's it like growing up around Dominican? It's like it's New York. That's just what the fuck it is, you know? So I never really saw me being black and Mexican as an issue or something that wasn't uh, supported or appreciated until I came to New York and everyone thought I was Dominican and I'm like, no, I'm Mexican. Ah, Yeah, and everybody thought I was Dominican. I'm like, no, I'm Mexican. And they're like... (laughs) You look Dominican, you know that, right? No, I know that. I know know that that. when I'm You look like cuz, yo. Yeah, when I when I'm in when I especially when I worked at La Marina, I was like oh, they were like, "Mommy, what is oh, I'm like, you worked at La Marina." Yes, shout out to Chef Kelvin. Shout out to Chef Kelvin. Chef Kelvin is my dude. I fucking love him. I will go serve for him today. Former guest of the show, new father. I mean, God bless Chef Kelvin. I'm obsessed. Well, I will do anything he asked me to do. I will serve for him tonight. He's, wow. and he's the kindest person. Nice. Best arepas. I don't give a fuck. I will beat your ass. Best arepas ever you will ever fucking have. I will go there. I'll be like, yo, chef, can I get here? He'll be like, good job. <laughs> but then he will highlight two right there for me. I'll be like, thank you, chef. He'll be like, you're welcome. Like, he's, so, he's the best. But yeah, I, I, I didn't think that there was like a hierarchy of Latinos. And then when I came out, I had a lot of interesting conversations because I didn't think that being Mexican was considered less than, but there were a few people and, you know, we have issues within our community. I'm not saying that we're perfect, but those were interesting conversations that I had to have where I had to really drive home the fact that I'm black and Mexican. I'm very proud. And I love Dominicans. My best friend was my sister who I'm at her house right now. She's Dominican. My other sister, Daryl and Castillo, she's Dominican. Like I, Love them, but I'm just like, I'm Mexican and I love that. And let's just oh. celebrate that. We fucking all eat rice. We all uh, eat yes. food. No. Yes. And so none of us fuck with white people. God damn it. Shit. <laughs> it was all gone. You know, it's hard. Let me tell you. It's hard because like, that's like saying I don't fuck with myself because I'm half white, half Latina. But guess what, guys? Sometimes I don't fuck with myself. Okay? So. Yeah. Um, when she'll be in the house, she'll be like, fuck you. She'll be like, no, fuck you. She'll be like, yeah, right. I'll be like, you racist. No, you racist. No, you racist. You racist. <laughs> 
Watch me, goddamn. 
in a suitcase follow this yes. woman thank you for what you're doing out there for us we wish you the very best of luck and we're behind you we're rooting for you okay yeah thank you yes. and me and Jaime didn't fight this time isn't that crazy no I think we're you know it's been a while since that that time I think we've all it's still fuck you though <laughs> it's still that thing in it you know I know it's cool it's cool that's love to me that's still love that's love they still Love. Yeah, that's love. Frankie about to go see a bitch on the beach. Like, <laughs> Yo, that's how they. That's how they be. I miss a. I miss a Sua. I miss a Sua. I miss a Sua. Wait, it was amazing, honey. You look amazing. You are snatched and attached, honey. Would you, you fucking yeah. You look so good. Go ahead. I feel good. I feel healthy, and this is just a bonus. Like what comes with it, I feel healthy, which is the most important. Oh, well, most definitely. And, and being healthy. We'll is- talk about fibroids yeah. later. Fibroids and estrogen dominance, which I know Jaime loves to talk about. Yeah, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm with it. I'm with it. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for the shout out. Seguimos pa'lante, elefante. Let's do this. The takeover. Excellence. Wow. Like, excellence. Excellence. <laughs> yeah. And she's sharing her words of wisdom, you know, with us at the end. That's always a good question to ask them kind of, yeah, give us your, you know, uh, some advice or knowledge, right? And she dropped some really good knowledge there. Stoicism. That's a big thing, too, now. She's talking about stoicism, stoics. Um, I don't know too much about it, but I'm, I'm, I'm interested in finding out. It's like, an, it's a, it's coming back with the stoics and stoicism. So um, she mentioned it's something some of the stuff that she kind of follows. Uh, it's very interesting. I'm, I'm Frank, you might have to do some research on that. I will, man. She dropped a lot of gems, man. Like, wow. Wonderful. I mean, when I don't ask any questions, it's because she has she had me captivated. So uh, she's amazing. And, you know, being an Afro-Latina too, and, you know, uh, going through this business, that's she has a lot of experience, man. She has a lot of gems in this interview. Amazing. Really amazing. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. A learning. Let's support her. Please follow her. Uh, and let's move on. We've got a lot of stuff going on here this season for Latinos Out Loud, right? We have some more oh, yeah. episodes. Thank you to everybody over at NBC who has been mm. so wonderful in yeah. elevating their BIPOC talent. And sending them our way because we want to have we want to give them this forum to talk about the shows and the incredible diversity that NBC is showcasing through their new slate of comedy in 2022. So please check that out, guys. They're giving you a lot of gifts. Uh, the week of December 13th, there will be some special previews of American Auto and Grand Crew. So we're really excited to, again, highlight the talent from these shows and one time for NBC for putting this together and also being an ally of the Latinos Out Loud podcast. Thank you guys yes. over at NBC PR. Well, guys, Latinos Out Loud is brought to you by a lot of people behind the scenes that we've got to shout out right now. So I don't know. Let's just do this like name Soul Train style. Okay. Ooh, 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 ooh. ooh. Producer, producer, supervisor Paco, to Pablo, PDP. Okay, right. okay. Who's next on the Soul Train? Okay. Ow. Our homegirl, Mitzi Hernandez, producer. 
Yeah. Okay. Go, Mitzi Hernandez. You got it. And our audio engineer <laughs> of the year goes to Augusto Woo-hoo. Martinez. Augusto Martinez. 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 Yeah. Augusto. Yo, I love Augusto. I was born in the month of August, so anything that sounds like it, I'm going to love. And he also makes it sound really good, so I love him extra special. We love uh, the whole thank team. You thanks for, um, you know, thanks for helping us. Yes. And uh, getting the show done. Sonoro. Getting the show done. Yep. Facts. And speaking of done, the show's done. I think it is, unless you want to keep With, talking. Do you want to keep talking? I'm, uh, I'm down for either. Let's either, have the listeners vote. Either let's or. have the listeners vote. Should we end yeah, the show yeah. now? Holler at us at We Are Latinos Out Loud on Instagram. You can call us at 978 Latinos. Should we end the show right now or should we keep talking? Let us know. Okay, we already got the results in. And it looks like we out. All right, guys, on to the next one. On that note, we out.